Aloha and welcome to the uh, Hawaii Ultra podcast. This is our interview. This is the audio version of our interview with Jacob Fazler uh, about his uh, Hurt 100 experience. He decided to do his first 100 miler as the Hurt 100, not an easy race. So we interviewed uh, Jacob about his nutrition, his training, uh, the current situation here in Hawaii, and his uh, future plans for races. You can find our podcast on uh, iTunes if you search for Hawaii Ultra. It'll show up there. You can also go on to YouTube and subscribe to the podcast there, too. Again, search for Hawaii Ultra, all one word. And if you'd like to donate, which we would greatly appreciate uh, any donations at this particular time, uh, you can go to our Patreon site, which is www. Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com and forward slash Hawaii Ultra. And we'd appreciate if you donate a cup of coffee for every episode. But uh, please enjoy. Aloha and welcome to the Hawaii Ultra uh, running podcast, video cast. And today we're lucky enough to have Jacob Basler here. Hey, Jacob. Hey, how are you going? Uh, happy, what is today? Today is Wednesday the 9th, so this would be 4-9. We would be recovering from Lava Man, wouldn't we? Yeah, except, I, you know, I've never really done any triathlons, so I usually, I usually just volunteer for those. Uh, well, hey, that, that's, that's going to be a challenge in the future, too. Yeah. Um, I was actually kind of, I agree with uh, Jerry's method of what she did when she basically canceled the race and just didn't try to reschedule it and stuff. But uh, I mean, uh, right now my, my line is that I, um, I'm supporting all the race directors. I don't support some of their decisions at times, but we, we don't have to get into that. Jacob, this is about you. This is not about anything else, but you Where where were you raised? I don't even know, to be honest. Oh. Well, I grew up in Tennessee, so out in uh, the country, pretty much some kind of farmland USA where they grow a lot of corn and tobacco, uh, you know, wheat and barley. I mean, cattle. I mean, you, you know, did say like, wheat. You did say yeah. wheat, right? Not yeah. weed. Yeah, wheat. <laughs> no, no weed. <laughs> Back then, at least. I'm sure there's some now, but, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's farmland USA. It's like, you know, the Bible Belt of America real slow pace, small towns, uh, you know, the center of the town, you, it was a stockyard. I mean, with me, that common, you see a cow walking down the front uh, road, just, you have to wait for it to get out of the way. I mean, you, you can probably take my man, it would probably be similar to it, you know, uh, if you think about it, but just a little bit smaller. But of course now with the, the country music boom, it's gotten huge. So it's not, nothing like it used to be when I grew up, but. Uh, oh, what, what, what town did you grow up in? It's called Cookville, Tennessee. It's an an hour and a half in between Knoxville and Nashville. So it's like right at the edge of a plateau. Um, it's not really, it's right on the edge of the mountain range. So, you know, you get the, get some mountains, but it's the smaller mountains. They're not as big as we get out here in the West. And so, uh, cool. yeah. So, I mean, but lots of, lots of caves. It's got like some of the biggest network of caves in the world there. Um, uh, lots of, um, pastures and woods and forests you know stuff you would see like in the Barkley is very comparative to it I that was gonna say you're right in the shadow there yeah like about an hour away real so close that you know 
uh, it's a that's a nice place to go hike and stuff. So or you can do a big run over there. That'd be fun too. You can get out, you can get out there for a little bit. Did you did you see that John Kelly did a kind of a pseudo Barkley race where yeah, he? Yeah, I saw that. What, what he did like a hundred miles, right? Yeah, but you you couldn't ride and you couldn't uh, run in the park itself. You could run on the outer edges of it, I guess. So he just did it that way. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, he's already trained for it, right? So you need to get that uh, get that test out there. <laughs> I I can tell you, I I won't. I'll make it short. A uh, short story. When I was driving, we were going from where did I live at the time? Chicago down to Florida to fly to Panama. And our car broke, my car broke down just outside of Nashville. And we were long-haired hippie dudes at the time. And we got stuck. And sure enough, a couple of good old boys stopped and said, you, got, you, you guys need help. And, and they actually gave me a ride to the gas station that they worked at in order to fix a flat tire that I had in the truck. And it was one of the scarier moments in my life because we were probably doing 120 miles an hour to get to the gas station. And it was like, oh, my God, this, this poor hippie dude is going to be killed by these rednecks. And they just were, they were just the nicest good old boys and just were, went out of their way to help. Yeah. People are real nice over there. They don't, I've never had that problem over there, I mean, in the South, especially in the Tennessee and if you're outside in the country area, or even like you know more open hospital to you, you know, uh, it's 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 different now. When I go home, it's it's a little bit more built up now. It's uh, more developed and more businesses and factories and stuff. And but the farming industry is still there and it's still going strong. So that's always nice to know. And where'd you go to high school? Uh, in this, in the country town, it's called Cookville. I went to high school there. Okay. Never went to college or anything. I just got straight out of school and then. I, I traveled around, you know, United States a lot. Did you have, were you on any sports teams when you were in high school, like cross country team, if they had a cross country team? No, I mean, I didn't, I did a lot of like, when I was a kid, I didn't do many sports. Uh, I don't think I was really good at them, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I tried, I tried baseball and softball a little bit, um, not softball, but um, little league baseball. It wasn't really, it wasn't my cup of tea, um, but I, um, I used to do a lot of hiking and uh, anything you could put your feet on underneath, like skateboards, biking, and all that stuff. I was really into all of that. So if, you, if it had wheels and a, a, some way to strap me to it, I was on it. <laughs> so, Wait, now, do you have a middle name? Yeah, Michael. Oh, okay. Now, see, that doesn't fall into my theory of – I had a girlfriend in, in Minnesota, and my theory was – because her brothers had three names, they could literally hunt, kill, and skin any animal alive because they were all basically Billy Bobs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not your typical Tennessee boy because I, I, hunting, I'm not really that good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may have caught one fish in my whole life, so. <laughs> oh, well, good to know. Good to know. Yeah. So when yeah. you traveled around after high school and stuff, what wandered? Oh, did you have any brothers and sisters? Back home, oh, yeah. so? I, I have four brothers and three sisters, um, so I got a quite large family, and there are, they all live in Tennessee still, and they have big, happy families and stuff like that. Yeah, good. So what in your travels, where did you travel to? I mean, did you just do the whole lower 48, or did you go up to Alaska or anything? No, I mean, I did as much as I could, you know. Um, 
you know, tra travel around is kind of expensive, but, uh, you know, I went all around the East Coast, um, down to Florida, to the Keys, all the way down south, um, uh, to the Gulf a little bit, down mostly just like early in the southern states, and I didn't really venture out until later on in life, um, out west, so I've been all over California, um, parts of Utah and Idaho, and um, um, all over Hawaii, of course, but yeah, uh, the middle, like Colorado Strip, like where the plains are, I've never been. So I've been oh, wow. as far as Arkansas and Texas is about as far as west as I got. So Okay. Were you working at the time or just traveling? I was traveling and working. Um, but, you know, was, you know, when you take big travels, you get to, like, quit your job. You, know, you just kind of, like, look up some money and go, I'm going to go on a trip. And then next thing you know, to come back home and start working again. Yeah. Yeah, funny how that works, yeah. Yeah, mine just doesn't like fall out of trees, I guess. <laughs> well, for some people, apparently it does. Yeah. And we'll, I won't talk about our, our friends who are posting uh, their quarantine videos from their lanai overlooking the ocean with their endless pool in the background and stuff. Yeah, no, that's pretty nice. I'm going to go for a swim now. Now I'm going to ride the bike. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. I <laughs> Uh, so what eventually made you, or why'd you come to Hawaii? How'd that happen? Well, I was living in Tennessee and then, um, uh, I did take a visit to Maui. Um, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but then they, um, the company I was working for said, well, you know, you know, our, uh, company needs a lot of help out there. Um, I won't speak about companies just because of, uh, you know, all that stuff, but, um, they said you need a lot of help out there and they could really use me. I said, well, I had some friends from school that were living in Maui and in, um, in Lahaina. So they said, uh, come stay with us for, then they were going to stay for a year, just trying to get the whole, you know, Hawaiian atmosphere in and stuff like that. Uh, so I decided to like, oh, I'll just give it a shot, you know? And so I already had a job lined up. I had a place to live and come out here. So I just packed up and came out here. Was, my original intention was like, I come out and work for a year and just, you know, help out the company a little bit and, learn a bit a little different about like a different area of work and then uh they eventually left and the company was like and we need you here to stay so uh i was kind of like offered to stay i made it work to uh you know just having a place to live and stuff like that uh so i spent about nine years almost 10 years on maui oh wow um, i didn't know that yeah. yeah it's like a second home to me i love that place um I, I still have a lot of friends over there. Uh, a lot of people I call family and, you know, I talk to on a regular basis still. Um, so, you know, and that's where, um, uh, running actually, uh, stepped in, actually started running. So, uh, mostly in Tennessee, I was just hiking. It was just like through hiking for, you know, as much as I could, uh, days at a time or uh, biking, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, it's just, when I got to Maui, I was like, you know, I just started, I was like, well, I need to get in better shape. So I decided to go running on these trails and everything. Um, never ran a marathon before. Um, never ran like any ultra races. Didn't even know what ultra races were. I had no clue. Um, so I was just, I was just getting fit and getting in shape by running like West Valley Mountains and, you know, Haleakalas Crater and, you know, all the different trails they have over there. Um, and uh, somebody goes, you know what ultra running is? I'm like, no, I never heard it. So that's where it gets started. And he goes, well, you should probably try out like a couple of marathons first. And my little brother was running marathons. And 
you know, uh, he just told me, he goes, yeah, I just finished my first marathon. It was like five something hours. I'm like, okay, I think I could run a marathon in five something hours. Right. <laughs> so I like, uh, <clears throat> I talked to a couple people and, uh, got up a little training plan. So I kind of like wrote out a training plan for myself and not knowing what I was doing whatsoever at all. But I had, I had, a, I had a good base going down, you know, I needed to get certain things done, you know? Uh, so I trained for like about a year. Like I was just working on it. Um, getting my speed up a little bit so and then I ran my first marathon it was like uh it's a 358 it was just right on four hours I was gonna say what 226 right yeah yeah I wish <laughs> but uh yeah so that was my first marathon ever and now uh, um that was like you know I was 30 years old probably at this time um was that Maui marathon yeah it was in Maui this is a Maui marathon so it's one of my first ever and I was like you know this isn't bad I kind of like this thing you know so uh, that year, I, I raced like four more uh, marathons after, in that same year. Um, it was all about around 3.30 I finished. So those were all like Maui marathons and did Honolulu that year. Yeah. So I, it, and then the next year, I got accepted in the Big Sur, so I went straight into California races from that. Oh, then, that's uh, a nice race, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so and then I got back to, I got back to Hawaii. And then at this point, um, was, my job was asking me to go to Oahu at this point. So they needed help over in Oahu. So they transferred me from Kihei, where I was living, um, all the way to Waikiki, which is kind of a, a big shock. <laughs> it's been a little bit deep. different. Yeah, living in a little uh, box up in the middle of the sky, you know. Uh, so that was, that was, um, that was very... Uh, changing for me but I got to introduce to a lot of really talented runners and coaches and stuff like that so you know my fitness started improving as uh as well as the whole community because they had a pretty big community over there um so and so uh I guess my, my first race was like ultra race was probably uh I signed up for triple track oh okay not an easy race not an easy race I got my butt kicked left and right I <laughs> I, I, don't, I think it was like a 5, 5.40, 50 finish time. Uh, it was not, I didn't, I thought it was like, yeah, I can do that. That's no problem. It's just 30 miles, you know? Oh, yeah. So, and you're pretty not, like not doing pantalos whatsoever at all. <laughs> the, the marathons you're doing sub 3.30s, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I went, I was like, yeah, that's just a couple extra miles, you know? But, um, but I remember people always telling me uh, ultra races is a completely different uh, beast than, you know, marathon running, so. I got a little um, woken up to that, you know. Um, so I did that, and then uh, right after Triple Trek, I got accepted for the following year to uh, Lake Sonoma 50. Oh, yeah, so you're telling me about that, yeah. That was my very first 50-miler. So um, I ran that one. I, I got ready for the rest of the year, and I ran a couple of marathons in between and a couple of races here and there. It wasn't any hurt in um, races, um, just road races. Um, so I trained and got ready for, and it was like, um, like Sonoma was in April sometime. So, yeah. and then I ran, um, ran that. That was pretty tough. I think it was like a nine hour finish. I was, got my butt kicked pretty bad on the back. Well, what's, what's the altitude gain on that one? I think it's like 18 or 19,000 feet. It's almost 20, but you you don't think it because you can hold if you're talented enough you can hold down like uh you know seven thirty eight minute splits the whole race if you can hold it down for fifty miles you know 
Um, but what people don't understand with that race is it's fast and people go fast. Um, as you know, but on that back half, the climbing eventually starts to wear you down. And next thing you know, you're just power hiking. So yeah. Um, it, if you're not careful with your um, energy levels, you can die pretty quickly. What do you, what do you normally, you, what were you back then? What were you using as far as nutrition on a rate on, at a race and stuff? Uh, back then I was using uh, goo energy gels and I was using um, tailwind. Uh, I mean, yeah. I was using Tailwind back then. Uh, yeah, I liked it. It worked really good. It kept me going, and uh, I just had two bottles, you know, in my hands, uh, one with fresh water and one with Tailwind, and then I had, like, gels around my waist. Um, so I had, like, had the Roctane um, uh, goo gels with me, so. But no, no like, PB&Js or no fruit or anything like that? No, I was stopping by the A stations and grabbing, like, cheese quesadillas. Um, those were really good for some reason. I just – my thing I, I love cheese quesadillas when i go to the races it's great i mean just keeps you going um uh bananas and stuff like that but i was just like eating and trying to keep up with the pack you know so i mean um you know that race is that's a that's a really uh, fun race because i went out with all the big guys and i i got showed up pretty quickly at the end <laughs> <laughs> it's all about perspective yeah 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 you're not going to be able to keep up with like Sage Canada or Walmsley on that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, I asked Walmsley to pace me over at uh, the race I did in Sacramento, but he didn't show up. So, yeah. Which one so, was that? Uh, it was the, uh, oh, I always, the Jed Smith race. Because that one is it's a 50K, 50 miler. It was the course basically where those guys set the 50 mile record. They did oh, it yeah. as, yeah, you know, it's on the American River Trail. It's yeah. part of Western States course and stuff. Really nice, super nice people. Totally fun. Was visiting the Hanai daughter and, and her son. So, you know, I just took the opportunity to sneak over there and, you know, jump into a race. Third my age group, but then again, my age group uh, only had three people. So, yeah, well, that's cool. I, well, uh, I've, got, I've done quite a few races in Sacramento. Well, not really Sacramento, more Auburn. Oh, okay, yeah, I, years ago in 2009, I helped out at the Way Too Cool 50. Have you ever done oh, that one? I've heard of it, but I've, uh, I want to do it one day when everything gets back in full swing again. <laughs> uh, Julie's, the race director, is really super nice. It was actually, I was helping Gary Wang because Gary was doing the race, and so I helped out at an aid station. Started to, I told this story when I was talking to Alex, too. Uh, started talking to this old guy who was hanging out kind of after the race or during the race, I think he was there. And it turned out to be Gordon Ainsley. I mean, it was, it was Gordy. And, yeah. uh, you know, now he, now he's, he's just up. To, uh, he is uh, like a year younger than me, but uh, now whenever I do a race where if it's on the mainland and stuff, it's always him, me and, and Gene, <laughs> the only three in our age group. Wow. There's a bunch of others too. Yeah, there's a there's actually a surprise. There's a a lot of more older people running these big races, and it's great to see them out there, you know. And they're actually doing pretty good. I mean, I've seen some some like really just you having some really impressive times, and they're like, oh, I'm like seventy something. I'm like, that's great. Yeah. Well, how how what, you know, so in your first uh, in the Lake Sonoma, how, do you remember how far you placed? I mean, were you like mid pack or you know, I was like five? It was like fifty something place. Yeah, 
<laughs> Pretty I, I'm not, I would have to double check again, but it's like, it was like 50, 60. I was, I was back there a little bit, you know? Um, so you're not yeah. one of those ultra runners who, when you ask them a question like, well, what did you do at that race? Oh, it was seven fifty-eight twenty-three. No, I like on you was like it was it was sub ten hours. I know that, but it was like nine something. I think it was like nine fifty on the hours. But if you want to get technical, um, yeah, it was, I was way down there on the totem pole. I was like, I, I thought I was going to have a really good time because I was I was feeling really strong, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm feeling strong running in a while, so I think I could take it down, you know, uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, you learn your lesson real quick with these big, uh, long endurance runs. You know, you can't, like, approach them just like a marathon and go out and hit it real fast, you know. Well, what's, what's, what's kind of the, the your training for, let's say, let's say it's 100K. So how far out would you specifically train for 100K? I mean, 100K is, um, you know, at least six months out, I try to. But if not, you know, three months, because you can really just um, start – working into up your peak and then peak out and then taper down. Um, and then you have ample enough time, but if I really want to know it, I like to know like six months ahead of time. That way I can sort of build into it. So, cause you don't want to like just like jump in the training and then, you know, injuries can happen that way. And, um, so that way you can build into it. So six months is perfect. If I, like I did hurt, I knew, uh, I started working on that one a little bit farther out, probably like eight months, you know, um, well, that's just a hundred miler. Yeah, that's just it. Yeah. What was your first hundred? That was my first hundred. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's, I've never done a hundred before, and I was uh, I I had many plans of doing one hundred miles before. I was just you know uh, between work and getting there and stuff like that. It just never worked out for me, and I always had to pull out of them. So, uh, you know, like life gets in the way, and you just gotta take care of it, I guess. But. Yeah, I was I was on I was supposed to do Angel's um, Angel's Crest um, mm -hmm. yeah. last year, but um, I I, could, I had to pull out of because of work, um, too many conflicts. So, um, so that was supposed to be my first hundred, which you know it had been good because coming from Hawaii, it's nice and hot. You know, it's got big mountains and stuff like that, and yeah, I think it's yeah. like twenty thousand feet of climb and descent too. So. Well, injuries, you, you mentioned injuries. Have, what, have you had many injuries? Uh, is it one particular kind of injury you have? Or have you been one of those blessed people, knock on wood, that has avoided that? No, I've, I've had a, a go. I mean, I'm, every couple of years I get some, a bad injury. Like when I, after my first couple of marathons, I had like a, a knee injury where uh, I think it was right after the marathon, I just like, I don't know what happened to it, but like every time I'd walk, I would have to like stretch my leg out just to walk on. It was really painful. And then once it's cold, it just stiffened up real bad. Mm. And uh, so I had to, I had to spend like, I took a couple of months off of running and then slowly get back into it again. Um, and then last year I had a plantar issue. It was bad. I like, doesn't matter what I do. Anytime I, if I didn't run, it hurt. If I ran, it hurt. If I stretched it out, it hurt. Uh, so anytime I would step on my foot, it was just like unbearably painful. So yeah. I had to take a, a, some time off, which, you know, it's kind of hard to rebuild your fitness when you take a lot of time off. So this last year was everything just trying to get speed back up again, which it's done pretty good. But um, yeah, it's mostly like a, a plantar issue I, I'll have. And it's always on the same foot. It doesn't ever change. 
<laughs> yeah, the, my my right leg and I are good friends. Yeah, it's but when that happens, you just gotta like you gotta just see it coming and going. Okay, I gotta take a break. You know, and something you can do about it. Well, what kind of shoes? I don't even know what kind of shoes you run in. Uh, all my road shoes are all New Balance. So I've got I've got several different types of road shoe New Balances that we use. Um, I got a fourteen hundred, a fifteen hundred, and now I was using the Zante a little bit, which um, they're pretty similar on the base on the way they're designed and uh, the layout on them. Uh, all my uh, trail shoes are Las Sportivas. Oh, okay, okay. I'm a real big fan of Las Sportiva. I've got you know about five or six different sets of their trail shoes. Um, but our my lately kicks is the Captiva. It's a new shoe they just made. Oh. It's made for like sky running and like long endurance runs. Um, it's lightweight. It's got super sticky rubber on it. Um, it's got a little bit more room in the toe so your toes don't get beat up too much. And it's got like a good wrap around uh, the ankle area so it keeps everything firm. So, yeah, I use those for hurt. Oh, did you? How many? Uh, one pair? Just one pair for the whole race? I rotated out two pairs. Two pairs. So, okay. Yeah. So yeah, you're so. you're kind of like a lot of people, myself included, that when they walk in the door, they trip over the pairs of shoes that <laughs> they're lucky enough to have. Yeah, I, I've got quite a few co uh, big collections, and uh, but when I'm not racing, I, I do like ultra. So I'm a big fan of ultra. So I have a couple superiors that I like to wear a lot. Um, I think it's the only ultra shoes trail shoe that I like. Um, the other ones just they're just too much on a too much cushion for you. Yeah. Yeah, so I like the Superior a lot. It's a uh, fun to wear ultra shoe. If we, you know, it's you can feel the ground. You, you know, it's really nice, and um, your toes don't ever get beat up. Uh, they're real. They're real nice to the feet. I actually did uh, when I did Rocky Raccoon, not 2019. Yeah, 2019 was it? Yeah, when Sylvia and I went there. Uh, that's what I wore there for the whole race and stuff. They drained pretty nice. I mean, yeah. Yeah, they drain real nice, and um, your foot feels good. I mean, you know, uh, the the foam does wear down on pretty quickly. So you know, about after a couple hundred miles, you have to change them out. But um, but yeah, they're they're uh, that's a really good shoe. That's anything that I would choose besides the Las Sportivas that I usually wear. Do you have any particular theory or plan as far as compression, shorts, tights, sleeves, or anything like that? Uh. Usually never wear compression socks or sleeves. Only time I really wear them is if I go up, um, you know, if we do like a run at Monica and I'm trying to stay warm, I'll put them on just to keep my legs warm and my arms warm. But uh, yeah, I don't, I, I usually don't get a whole lot of compression and stuff like that. Uh, I'm pretty, pretty basic. Just give me some socks and shoes and shorts and I'm ready to go. Cotton, you know? cotton socks, right? Uh, no, I usually get, um, all my socks are stance. I'm a big fan of stance socks. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're they're a really good sock company. They'll last for quite a few, quite a long time. So they got the ones with all the the different prints on them and stuff like that. They're real colorful and yeah. And they wait now your your shoes match, huh? Sometimes yeah, and sometimes not. <laughs> it's a little private joke that we have. Yeah, uh, <laughs> matching matching shoes and uh, now actually I've been lucky enough to start unmatching the socks too. Um, so. Um, other equipment that you've have you done many races where you've used poles no but i've been in a couple ultras where they allow them but i've you know i've never actually used them um i know a lot of people swear by them and they say they really help but um 
you know, I got, I've got enough points for UTMB now, at least the CCC version, not the UTMA version. Yeah. So if, hopefully if it still stands, maybe I'll get a chance to go to UTMB and do it. Um, but I think I'll probably need poles for, cause that's, that's a beast on its own. Um, Mount Blanc would be, it's, it's not a small mountain at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, last I had read, I think they were gonna. There's a drop dead date that they have uh, where they're gonna make a decision uh, on UTMB, and I don't know if that includes CCC though. But that's that's the last I heard. So, uh, kind of speaking of that, what races had you already signed up for that maybe aren't gonna happen, or at least maybe just delayed? Uh, well. I, I saw this coming and I only had one race after a hurt that I was really signed up for. And, um, so, uh, Castle Peak is, a uh, Tahoe. Um, it's up in Truckee, uh, California. Um, it's, um, an all elevation race. It starts off at like 6,000 feet, goes up to like 10. It's a hundred K. Yeah. 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 I wrote a little bit about that. Yeah. 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 It's so it's, um, it's a, I know the, uh, the, the, the race directors up there, they're really nice people and it's a Solomon sponsored event. And, um, and it's, uh, I've, I've done it once before and I was like, I need just to go back and see if, how well I can improve. Cause you know, how you improve over years and you know, your fitness level gets up there a little more. And, um, but I was like really focused. I was like, I'll get done with her and then I could tr start training for the bigger mountain stuff and then see if I can like go all out and, you know, have a really good run up there in, in California. Um, but so as far as we know, it's still on, but and what's the dates on that? Uh, it's, August, yes, August 22nd. So, um, August. yeah, well, they think it's going to be called, but they haven't really made the decision yet. They said they're going to wait till June to make the decision. So, um, but if that gets canceled, I, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. I got my, probably go back to Montawilly. Um, <laughs> it's August 1st, but we don't even know if those races are going to go on, you know, a lot of these races are going to be canceled. Um, but if, you know, if those get canceled, I'll probably just have a clean slate for the rest of the year and just kind of, if anything comes and then I'll, I'll try to go run, but just the way with uh, the pandemic is going and it looks like everything's going to be canceled for the year, you know? Yeah. The only thing that I, in the near future that I haven't seen has been canceled yet is Kona, Kona marathon at Waikoloa. Uh, I don't know what Brent's got on in his mind. Cause that's uh, mid June, late June. Yeah, it's like a like a month away. Yeah, I yeah I haven't seen. I I check every once in a while to see if he's posted anything, but I haven't seen anything yet. Let's go back to Hurt though. Now, as a virgin, going at, virgin hundred miler and a virgin Hurt person. Yeah. What were your impressions of Hurt? Well, you know, like I was saying, I lived in Oahu down, and I lived in Waikiki, so I used to like to go train up in Tantals a lot. So I got I was used to the trail. And I've done loops and I've helped uh, for three years. I paced and volunteered at the, the Hurt 100 every year. Oh, okay. So I was really familiar with the, how it worked, the organization, like all the people and the trail. I mean, uh, I think every year I paced like two laps, which is, you know, that's oh. four miles. So, yeah, so I, I was kind of comfortable with it and I knew what to expect, but I've never done more than two laps at a time. Uh, so what was the third lap like on the at the race 
Uh, what were your thoughts going into the third lap? Because you've already, you, you know, you've been to that point where you've done two laps. Yeah, I got to the A station and I immediately took my shoes off. And like, you know, every loop I was putting Vaseline on my toes just to kind of keep the blisters away and then just trying to keep healthy feet, you know, and uh, I dry my feet off and then put uh, Vaseline on and put fresh socks every loop. And then um, I noticed the older shoes that I was wearing, my foot wasn't really like them. So I just pushed those off the side and I wore a, a newer pair for the rest of the last three loops, which really, it, it was fine. Um, first thing is I like, I, I just grabbed a bunch of calories. I just started eating like real food because I knew the gels weren't going to hold me over very long. And then, um, <laughs> so I need to start like really putting in some real food because I know lap three was the only, that's where everything starts to fall apart a little bit on you, you know? And that, so you just uh, chow down at the eight stations, you know, cause they have a, a nice wide variety. Yeah. Um, loop three wasn't that bad. I went into it and I was like, just do it smart. I would, you know, I went out really fast. My first loop, I was like a four something hour loop. Um, which is a little bit too faster than I really wanted to be out. I was trying to like aim around five hour loops. So loop three was still good. I was still around five something hours. Um, but when I started approaching loop four is when I started really uh, feeling the pain. Uh, uh, everything started to fall apart. I, it, was not a, it was not a pretty sight for sure. Uh, I think loop four, somehow my headlamps in my bag, I got turned on. And so all the batteries were drained. Oh no. So I, I kept on pulling them out of my pack and I'm like trying to get light. And I'm like, you know, top of Tantalus and I'm trying to navigate my way down to Manoa with no headlamps. And I tried <laughs> to use my cell phone and my cell phone was dead too. Cause I guess it started taking pictures inside of my pack. <laughs> I had, so I get down there and I, I see Grant and, um, and I, I explain, I go, man, I just got like a, like a really dim emergency level light on my headlamp. And he was asking what was going on. I was like, all my lights are dead. I don't know what to do. So he handed me like a, a little, a wrist, like a, you know, a handheld light. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's another person there from Big Island. And they gave me a, like a, you know, a smaller headlamp to get me through the night. So <laughs> and, uh, that, was a, that was a struggle to find my way down in the dark to Manoa um, Aid Station, the Paradise Cove over there. Um, but yeah, they were, they were helping me out a lot. And uh, I think that's where I, I met up with, I think Bree was there and uh, at this point, and then um, there's a couple of runners were dropping out. So um, they gave me what they could so I could continue on. But um, so the rest of the night, I just kind of pushed through. It was like the longest loop I think I've ever done on that course. I mean, it was, it was really tough for me. I was coming down and I'm, I was, I was so tired uh, that my eyes were just falling asleep. I was like literally falling asleep running down the trail. I was like, cause this is all new for me, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm hitting that point where I've never gone this far before. Uh, this many hours consistently running, you know? So, but I get, I get to uh, Nuanu and I'm just, I'm feeling like trash. Like I'm just feeling terrible. I'm like, I'm barely holding together, you know? Um, um, so I, I said, and then uh, I think Justin and Bree were there and they said they're continuing on. I go, don't worry about me. I'll, I'll eventually catch up, you know? And uh, so I, I ate some food, but I didn't really feel any better. And I just said, I just need to lay down for a second. Can you, and I asked one of the aid station guys, can you just wake me up in 10 minutes? I need a reset. Yeah. Uh, they let me sleep for 15 minutes, got up and I had like a cup of coffee and a 
couple of the egg burritos and stuff like that. And I uh, took a couple of quesadillas with me and shoved them in the pack. And, and I was still groggy because, you know, you went to sleep, you woke up, you didn't really get a good sleep. But so uh, I started going through the trail and I'm, I started to feel a little bit better. Um, started, and, and as I make my way back to uh, the start line, start finish line, I was, I was starting to feel a lot better. Um, and then I get there. Um, and during all this, my pacer never shows up. <laughs> oh, bummer. Yeah, so I was I was doing this all. Do you want to call him out right now? Uh, we uh, we already called him out, so <laughs> he got shamed pretty good um, by not just me, but a lot of people. But yeah, he, he didn't show at all. And so uh, um, I think I probably would have been okay, a little bit better position if I had somebody pushing me or making sure yeah. I was because I wasn't going very fast. But um, I started to feel better when I got down to the bottom, and um, it was approaching daylight, I think. Yeah, so um, I can't really remember if it was daylight yet or not, but uh, I get down there, so I'm like, and I go, I was going to make a decision, can you continue to go, or can you can you make it? Can you push through it and just finish it? So I, like, I just ate some more cheese quesadillas and had some coffee, and then uh, Nick from Hilo said, I want to run with you. I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's just go. And he goes, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better now. So down a bunch of coffee, refueled, and – Here's another thing I did wrong. I refilled <laughs> all my bottles, and I left them on the bench. There was not my pack because I was so disoriented. Like I didn't, I wasn't really. Paying oh, attention. so you you filled. I, I filled them up, filled them up and then the put them on the bench table there, and I didn't put them in my pack. <laughs> so all I had was like I had a bunch of. I was used in spring all day, so I had spring energy gels, and then a full bladder of water in the back. So I was okay on that side. Um, and then I had some, uh, real food and uh, a bunch of, I was using spray, uh, um, scratch bars, um, scratch yeah. nutrition. I had a bunch of their, um, energy bars in there. So I was, I was good on calories and so I don't have to worry about it. Um, and in the bottles I was using, uh, goo roctane, uh, the summit tea, yeah. uh, liquid carbohydrate really helps, you know? Um, but I left those on the table. And I didn't realize it until about halfway through the, the fourth loop. That's, I was kind of out of it. Uh, but I mean, the good thing on that loop, I was like, I told Nick, I go, I'm starting to feel real good. If you want to like push this whole loop and see how well we can do. So I just started, I mean, I don't know what happened, but like as soon as I left the, that, that A station, like I, my energy level just spiked up real high and I started getting my legs back. And I, I just, I just powered through it. I was like, Bombing the downhills really good. I was just running really efficiently. Um, I think I passed like 10, 11 people in the last lap. Oh, wow. Um, so I was flying. Yeah, I was doing good. I had a pretty good loop. Um, I don't know where it all came from, but, you know, I, I, that energy level just stayed there the whole time. And I never backed up. So I, I bombed down Manoa Falls, and it was so muddy going through there. It was like splashing around mud everywhere. Uh, <laughs> But I, th I think it passed like four people going out of Manila because they were just so scared to run. And I was just, I was just running pretty hard. So, um, but it was really good because everybody saw me come through and they were like, saw me come back to life. And it was pretty cool. Um, yeah. It really helped me out with everything. I, I just can't believe I left all my bottles just sitting there. Well, you know? <laughs> I mean, isn't that, isn't that the, the story that we hear about from other people and you don't think it's ever going to happen to you, Yep. but you know, in the middle of a race, being able to adjust to something that you, you you think you've planned for everything and it just 
that happened, you know, and it's like, what do I do now? You know, and did the thought ever go get into your head, which it probably didn't, but, oh, I need to go back and get those bottles? Yeah, I said, I'm too far. I'm uh, too far away now. I'm not going back for him. And, um, um, but Nick was like, I could, I could have my wife bring him up. I'm like, don't worry about it. We're going to finish this. I've, I've only got like a half a loop left. I'm like, I'm not going to stop. I was like, we'll just keep going. We'll just drink coffee the whole way, you know? <laughs> did, so, did you, in, in the ultra vernacular, did you uh, get a tie at all during the race or, uh, you know, which uh, I, I still remember from uh, Rocky Raccoon back in February, out in the middle of the night, in the middle of the woods in Texas. And from the distance I hear, and somebody just put the tie on yeah no i mean um just just for being really sick and not feeling that great with energy levels i think it just had to do with me not putting enough calories in um uh i'd never felt sick um i just felt like i was gonna fall asleep you know that was my weak point right there um but i never got sick my stomach was solid all day long um uh i, I was using like uh spring on canterbury and yeah. uh, speed nut um so i was like oh, rotating that it's awesome man i tell you i know it's a it's a really good one it just keeps you going uh so i had those two and then i had goo roctane in the bottle so i was alternating those so it actually um i didn't have any i didn't no stomach problems whatsoever at all uh i didn't have any like injuries or which was really surprising at something like that you know like a big race like that and long and so much climbing and descending and uh, body felt great besides just trying to, I just wanted to fall asleep the whole time. <laughs> <Not before. laughs> well, yeah, I was lucky enough to be there at the finish. So I saw that you finished strong. Yeah, I did. Uh, I was like, we were coming down pipes and I was like looking at Nick on, is it can't be, is it over really? Yeah. <laughs> it's over. I was like, um, and I was just like kind of thanking him because he went out on a limb to pace me, make sure I was okay. Uh, I was like, that was pretty huge when you don't have a pacer and you've been struggling all night, you know? Um, so I, I come down there and I like thinking in my head, I was like, is it over? <laughs> I can't believe it's over. I mean, I was like, I was like 33 hours in, you know what I mean? It's like the biggest run I've ever had. So yeah. Well, uh, I was, did you ever feel, you know, I, I, I felt it, but then, then again, that's me and uh, other people I've talked to. Did you ever feel really, really, really lonely out there? Only at the night when all my lights were falling apart and I couldn't get my phone to work yeah. <laughs> and I like, and there's, you're, you're like in the middle of the trail, you don't, you know, and all you got is like a really super dim light and there's nobody there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was, that was the only time I was like, Oh man, this is, this is going to be tough. It's going to be a long night. <laughs> and, and afterwards we can always look back on those situations kind of with a certain amount of fondness. Yeah. But when you're in that situation, there ain't no fondness involved. Yeah, I, I talked to some people and they're like, no, your, uh, your Petzl headlamps have locks on them to prevent them from doing that. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I know, I mean, and I, I, did, I did have enough lamps, but, you know, I had the same problem with all my lamps. So all of them got, went dead because they, the buttons got pushed and the lights came on and yeah. they just drained them. So, yeah, so I had like two dead headlamps well one dead headlamp one i'm on emergency mode where it's like a low beam you know yeah i don't even know if it's like 100 uh you know lumens per minute i don't know probably like 50 
I'll, I'll put a plug in for the, uh, they're called the 180 lights, uh, which are a waist light and also a headlamp light. And they have connectors that basically you can just disconnect it to make sure that it's not, the battery's not being used and everything. And actually Bree was the one who turned me on to those. She mentioned them and then I started, and they're fairly inexpensive. They're only like, I got one Petzl light, you know, but uh, they're fairly inexpensive. They're like 50, 60 bucks. And they last last quite a long time and stuff. And they do do that thing, though, where they'll dim down when they're, hey, dude, you better find another battery quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can tell when they're, they're about to go out, they're all of a sudden they go, and then you don't have very little light left. And it's kind of like a glow more than it is a light. Uh, yeah. But I have two Petzels. I, um, that's what I use for the race. They do pretty good when they have a full charge. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever carry a spare uh, power pack? You know? No, I didn't. I had uh, my watch was supposed to head on the settings for 36 hours. So I have a Sunuto 9. Um, but um, I had trouble with it too. I don't know what, what happened there. It kind of went into power saving mode at the very end, which is supposed to last 36 hours, but it didn't last but 28 hours. Oh, bummer. And, and then it went into power saving mode to where that does, it just goes click over mile and mile. So it doesn't really track anything. Yeah. So it, I think it's my watch stopped at like 80 miles. Bummer. Yeah. yeah well, it if, it, if, it, if it wasn't on Strava, then it didn't really happen. Yeah. Yeah. I got uploaded and I was like missing all this, this data. I'm like, what happened? I thought it recorded it, but cause you know, once it goes into power saving mode, the screen goes black. So you, yeah. So it doesn't use any power, but on that fact, it didn't really record any GPS points. So it was just mile, 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 mile. Yeah. And then it didn't get uploaded to Strava. So it was like 20 miles missing off my finish. So it didn't actually record the full length of time. Well, well, it recorded the full time, but it said 80 miles for 33 hours rather than 100 something miles for 33 miles. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, Sunuto uh, sent me out like a training guy. They said something like I had to have all the settings right. You know, I guess I just something was, but you know how it is. Watches are always finicky, especially these ones with so many different options on it. You have to have it right. That's why, I, I mean, I got this uh, Koros watch that I got after I did Born to Run last year. It's the er, the first model. It's the simplest one. The let, there's hardly any buttons involved. And it's got a great battery. It lasts for 40 hours you know, on a charge and stuff. And I, I actually, I went out to Manah to run a couple of days ago and I had, it only needs a charge maybe every once, two weeks. You know, it's really good. So I, I looked down and I went, oh no, I don't have my watch. Should I, should I go home and get my watch? And it was like, no, you idiot. <laughs> just, just go out. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of funny. I've actually left my house and forgot my watch too, not thinking about it. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't run now, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily for Strava, you can use your phone if you ever forget. Yeah, that's exactly that's what, what I usually do. I got yeah, a pair of old uh, iPhone 5s. They're smaller ones. And I use them for uh, play podcasts and listen to podcasts. And I kind of looked at it and went, no, I got this phone here. I could just record straight to Strava. Yeah, I was like, yeah, duh. Yeah, that's, that's a good thing about Strava. It's got uh, lots of different options. You know, they can use the GPS off the phone and stuff like that. I mean, 
I don't know how many hours it would last. I don't think it would last like 30 something hours on something like that. But uh, I, I do be careful every time I go out just because of playing the podcast. I turn off Wi-Fi and I turn off Bluetooth. And I go, yeah. okay. And I use, I've been using a wired headset for years. I used to use a, a wireless one, but then I started getting slower and taking longer. <laughs> to be out there and the wireless headset would die and I, yeah, I'll just plug it in yeah i don't have a wireless set i, I just got some wired headphones and yeah i only use them when i travel usually i mean besides that i mean i'm running out i usually don't use music that much i just just go run you know it's less stuff that you have to keep up with <laughs> I, I i tell you during a race i almost i i take it along with and even if it's a road marathon or something i i don't i don't I mean, I'll just listen to whatever's going on to people that are passing me or, you know, whatever's going on. It's really only during training that I went, I, I use it. Yeah. I used to, when I was younger and listen to music all the time, I had like, uh, some, uh, some, you have a playlist. Yeah, I did. I had like one of those little, remember what iPods, you remember what those things are? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had an iPod with, um, with um, sport headphones and I had them on my ears and I would listen to it. Um, but I got to the point to where that was just kind of getting aggravating because when you start sweating a lot, they start sliding around a lot. Yeah. That thing. Yeah. I remember those. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and I stopped listening to music altogether. So I just, I just, I just like to do a run now. So, uh, I don't every, I mean, I can run with music. I just don't like anything on my ears and stuff like that when I'm trying to run just bouncing around and stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot really good with the earphone technology. I'm, I kind of like to try some of these new ones that uh, a lot of these elites are using, you know, it's kind of nice. Oh yeah. The ones that are kind of bone conductors. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Yeah. Be inside your ears. Well, yeah. there's, there's now there's an appeal to a sponsor, you know, it's like find somebody who does those and say, Hey, you know, you never know. <laughs> be, gl be glad to test them out. Yeah, yeah. What did you think? It, you've been on that hurt course for, you know, a lot of years because you lived over there and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll mention that Alex, uh, when I, the interview that I did with her earlier, um, she did kind of mention that it's not the most scenic course in the world. I think it's a beautiful course. I mean, you're in the, you're in the rainforest all the time. So, I mean, but if you're looking for big views in the valley, you're only going to get a couple shots, you know, um, yeah. you're not going to get like huge, huge, uh, dramatic views. Like if you would be like running Mauna Kea or anything like that. Um, but it, it is a, it's a, it's a nice rainforest, you know, and, uh, it's, um, it's really, um, covered. So the heat index is not as quite as high as you would see at Peacock. Um, oh, yeah. uh, but right. it's a little bit more covered and not so exposed. Um, so the, the temperatures were definitely cooler. I was actually pretty cold at night um, on Hurt this year, which I hardly ever get cold up there, which is really rare. I mean, but uh, maybe just because I've been running so much. Um, but uh, it was actually a cooler, um, cooler run than Hurt this year. So it was kind of nice. Yeah, um, yeah that's I think what I heard. Beautiful course, so I, I like it. Um, um, Manoa needs some work, though. Of course, it just had so much flooding. That, that whole trail is just washed out, you know. Well, that's kind of, you know, Gary's, uh, Gary Robbins has got the record for the course. And yeah. his theory is, is that back when he set the record, the, <laughs> the spaces between the tree roots were much more filled in. And it was actually more runnable course back then. What do you think? 
Yeah, I agree. Because I remember when I first started running that course, um, it was a lot easier to run. Um, it's just from everybody competing and running on it, it's, it's gotten packed down and some of the trail sections have changed a little bit because they, you know, parts of the mountain will fall down and yeah. they'll have to reroute it or cut back into it. Um, but yeah, it's just, if, unless, unless they do maintenance on it all the time, you're never going to get like, I don't think his record will be broken anytime soon. I mean, uh, there's, there's gotta be a really strong, fast, talented, young person coming, <laughs> coming just, yeah, like, really, what, what you, you're what? 29 what how old are you oh i'm 45 oh holy smokes you yeah, one of these guys who lies about their age so you can get into the next age group <laughs> yeah I, I would like to get up there and um I, I think this year we're going to reapply for her so um i was i've been talking to a lot of people and i'm like i'm i really want to get like a sub 30 hour maybe like 28 so uh this year was a tough lesson learned uh what I have to do to get there. Um, so yeah, I think I can do it. I think it's definitely attainable. Um, I just got to do a little bit better on nutrition and, and then pace myself on the certain laps that I think I can just fly. Well, I think I, uh, to me, it sounded like it was a good experience because it was number one, like any ultra race, hopefully is a learning experience. Things didn't go perfect the first time. And that yeah. you, you recognize that there were things that you can address, you know, things you, things you have the control over separate from the things you do not have the control over. Yeah, that was, I mean, I wouldn't take it back for anything because I, I think that was a wonderful experience and uh, I can't wait to do it again. And uh, yeah, definitely lots of lessons learned in that one 33 hour period. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'm going to reapply this year. Hopefully I can get in and, and I'm going to see if I can get my PR. But, you know, looking at Gary Robbins record, which I think it's like 19 hours, if I'm yeah. correct. Something ridiculous. I mean, yeah. yeah, I think the closest anybody's getting to it right now is like 21 hours or 22 hours. Yeah. I, I don't think you're coming anywhere near it. Um, but like you says, that, that trail, it's just it's become so popular over the years and, and it is definitely being more traveled. So unless they go in and fill in which i would hope they don't ever do that but uh, you know it's 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 gonna be really hard for them to get a good uh good pr on there well that's some sometimes uh, that's kind of what i you know as i've gone through this over a lot of years when outside magazine first came out and they they did a lot of stories about moab you know i was uh going to moab before it was moab and i sometimes I want to share things that are beautiful, whether it's Mauna Kea, R1, Mauna Road, but the downside to that can be sometimes is there's a million people up there now, you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, I'm selfish. You know, I, I want it to be where it's, you know, us, and it doesn't involve being elite or anything. I just, overuse is a big issue. I think that's going to come up in the next few months just because, you know, of everybody looking for stuff to do, and now they're going out there and doing it. Yeah. Uh, I noticed lately, just uh, um, to take that idea there, um, because, like, uh, I've been talking to a lot of people. There's the trail system around, especially in the Kona area, are just swarming with people um, because nobody's working. Schools are shut down. they got to take care of kids. 
so everybody's on the trails they're everywhere and so yeah it's they're definitely overcrowding right now um i mean they just don't have anywhere else to go i mean because most of these people like i, I had somebody bring it to my attention like going saying like you know bars are shut down schools <laughs> are shut down yeah um restaurants are shut down so now they don't have anything to do or anything to go besides home and, and you can't go out so you only can go out for exercise so and that's what everybody's doing so i mean you just gotta now that we have to be creative and then go and over there is just kind of keep away from people but yeah well now all those the the buffs that you get from races and stuff those are coming in handy now because you know you can you look like a bandit but i was wearing uh one of them yesterday and i was like no this is part of the costume per se anyway yeah i've got a couple of them and um i've been using those when i go to a grocery store because you know uh, i think here pretty soon i think longs is starting to pass a law like you can't go into their uh stores unless you have a face mask on now yeah and uh, longs is technically cbs because they keep getting these uh emails about you know check out what the rules are we can do drive up uh, where you can pick up regular things like aspirin and stuff like that, where you don't have to go into the store. I mean, every everybody's struggling. Certainly, I know I am. You're on furlough, right? Yeah. You now and you know, uh, I when I go to check the mail, I don't check it during regular hours. I check it after hours, and somehow those things that come in the mail, like this, the the bills, <laughs> they still keep coming. You know, it's kind of like. Yeah, but I think the government's putting out a lot of good uh, policies, like they're saying no eviction policies because people can't pay their rent and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't. The banks are trying to do something, but I haven't really seen anything yet. Um, um, but they're they're trying to help the people. But hopefully, uh, we can get this all back to running normally again. So that's my biggest hope. Yeah, the the new normal, you know, obviously. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, things are going to change quite a bit after this. Uh, like, you know, a lot of the things that we used to do before are probably going to change just because, you know, this is an eye-opener for sure. Yeah, my one race, my A race, I don't really have an A race, but was Born to Run, which was supposed to happen in May. And Luis Escobar, you know, Billy Barnett's friend and, you know, Born to Run and everything, uh, he delayed it to uh, October. Unfortunately, he delayed it to the week of Ironman, which technically I'm the race director for the path run the week before. So I, I'm kind of in limbo now. I still have my Hawaiian Airlines ticket, which if they cancel my flight, good, because then I should be able to get a refund. But if they don't cancel it, that means I have to move it. And I don't know if I can do Lewis's race. I mean, if Ironman still happens, I, I'm responsible to be the race director for the path run. And it's just like, okay, it, it, things are so, everybody's juggling right now. You know, it's just, you yeah. can't, don't know what's going to happen tomorrow sometimes. Uh, I don't think it's, uh, I think a lot of these races that they're holding on to, I think will be eventually canceled. Uh, just I would, because I would, hope that they would just cancel it. And uh, 2020 is a training year. Let's just do it in 2021. Yeah, um, because even if we do like get through this a little bit and start to get control of it, it's still gonna. I mean, it's still gonna. We're gonna have to like kind of stay put for a little bit so they can make sure it, it goes away completely. Because if we start 
you know, traveling back and forth again, then we're going to start contaminating the world again. So there's going to be a lot of lockdowns, pretty much, as you would say. Um, things are going to change a lot for a little bit until they can get a grip on this, um, this pandemic that we got going on. Yeah, I mean, uh, not, uh, I mean, for, what do you feel about, it's, it's just, they've been cut off now. To be honest, I'm not a virtual race person. What do you what do you think about the virtual race ideas and stuff that's been going on? It's interesting to watch some of it. Uh, I think it's great if you um, if you know you're doing it right. You know, like I think uh, the personal peak one where they had all these runners from all over the world yeah, doing Jackson, it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's great. You're away from people. You're doing your own property. You're doing a safe spot or wherever it's a street or a park or out in the country somewhere. I think it's I think it's great. I like I, I did a a virtual marathon. It wasn't supposed to be fast. It was supposed to be like something that took a long time. And just, so I spent like seven hours running a marathon of, of you know, a bunch hey, of mountains. Be knocking those seven hour marathons. Come on. <laughs> but it, it was a fun day, you know? And I mean, it was like a Strava, uh, Strava thing. You know, like they had like this virtual uh, marathon thing they wanted everybody to do. And just, it wasn't like competition. Nobody really won it, but they had like, I think it was like a couple thousand people that entered. Um, uh, and it just shows you your rank compared to how many, what you did. I mean, the, there was guys who were doing like 220 marathon finishes and then either way. Up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, but they kind of get a beer marathon. Like, was it a beer marathon too? No, it was nothing like that. It was just like a straight up virtual marathon, but um, there's a lot of them going on. I'm like, um, I think they're good if you like, you know, it gets people out there and gives them something to focus on. Cause I think in times like this, when you don't, you don't have much money coming in and you're just stuck at home. And, and if you can get like a, a good hard effort, I think it's going to improve overall, like, you know, mental state, you know, it's going to have you something to look forward to train for and do, then you can have uh, reasons to sleep afterwards, right? You just recover afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll put a plug in for uh, Janet uh, and uh, the people at bike works because we had to cancel a lava man was canceled. The sunset 5k was canceled. They went ahead and, and put out a challenge. Uh, I think it, it's the whole month of this month where you can run a 5k and then, uh, you know, like their websites and then put in your time and they're going to auction off uh, some of the, you know, they, they had already gotten finishers cups and stuff like that. You know, that uh, was an upfront expense doing the race and i think that's great that they can do something like that so that people will still be able to have a goal to get to and get rewarded not just you know uh, go out there and do yahoo i did a 5k you know yeah i mean i heard about that when i guess they're not really basing off time it's more like effort you know yeah doing. Yeah. yeah so i mean i know that most of us here in kona we're going to do it at certain points uh next week or two uh i know some people have already done it I plan on doing it um, probably down in Queen K somewhere away from everybody. Cause you know, every, every trail and everything is just covered up with people. I just, you know, I'm trying to keep my distance as much as possible. It's, it's super tough, especially when, you know, nobody's working. Everybody's trying to do the same thing you're doing. So yeah, I'm probably going to go somewhere on Queen K and just kind of run it out. Yeah. I should, I should probably go back and uh, I could, yeah, I was thinking, well, maybe I could go down to the resort and do it down there because I would normally measure that course and run it anyway, but I don't think I want to go down to the resort, you know, and 
I kind of feel bad. I don't feel bad going to, to where I go to run because it's, I had to measure it. I didn't even know how far away it was from where I live. 8.8 miles. So not too bad, not too far away, not like driving across the other side of the island to run and stuff. But I kind of, I would feel bad if I was going down there to do that when that was a little bit too distant and stuff. I mean, I got trip to Kona now is Costco for gas. Three ninety nine up here, dude. Yeah. Two fifty nine so at Costco. I know. I was like, whoa, that's cheap. I went and filled up my tank. It was like 35 bucks. So I was like, oh, man, that's, uh, that's records right there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I try not to drive too far from home for my run, so I try to stick in Kona. But I try to get out every day and get a run in because uh, I think if you just if you stay home too much, I mean, staying home is good, but, like, if you just stay home and get cramped up too much, you're going to kind of lose your mind a little bit. So exercise daily I think is great. Uh, uh, Cloco is just swarming with people right now, so it's kind of – Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went and did trail work last weekend up there. Um, we went real early and we got started, but as soon as when I walked up the trail to get finished, there was cars lined up the whole road all the way out to Coloco Drive. I was like, this is not the idea where they talk about social distancing. This is exactly what they don't want you to do. I mean, like there were so many cars. I just, I just was like, oh my God. So I'm probably not going to go up there for a while. Um, just for that. I mean, it's just, just too many people. Um, and they think just and that little trail is only like, I mean, it's like four miles for diameter. It's not a big trail at all. It's uh, it's very small unless you just go out do a lot about it out and backs. But there's not it's not a very big trail. So and you got cars, you know, so many people on that same trail, and it's all single track, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So far, Manaw is not too bad. A lot of dog walkers, and what I've done, my method of getting around stuff has been to instead of running in the morning or running in the afternoon which usually there's nobody out there from noon on. It's people who get up early and do their runs early or well, take the dogs for a walk early in the morning and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, part of me says this is great that people are getting out and staying healthy. And I'm glad that we still have the opportunity to do that. But the other side is like, get off of my lawn. I'm old, you know, it's like, get off of my grass. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like a two side on there. I'm glad everybody's being active and doing stuff, but like all my areas that I like to go run and kind of have my days when I'm not working, they're all like taken now. So it's kind of, but you can't be mad at them because that's, you know, they're doing what they can to do to stay, you know, mentally healthy as well. So it's just kind of those things we just have to break through the storm, as you would say. And that's why I said like being creative. So I'm just finding new places to run nearest my house that I can, but it's really hard because I live off a Lee Drive, so um, I'm right in the center of town. It's you just—it's hardly anywhere to go. So, yeah. well, people don't realize we live on an island. <laughs> you can't go very many places. There's only so many places you can go. So, yeah. So, Jake, thanks for the time today. Uh, you know, I appreciate your your time and everything. Taking you away from training, I know. You know, training for tomorrow, which is then training for the next day. Yeah. If people want to get a hold of you, uh, do you have a preferred method for them to get a hold of you, uh, whether it's yeah, email I, or Instagram or whatever? Uh, yeah, I got um, my uh, Twitter, not Twitter, but uh, my Instagram account is Jacob M. Fansler. Um, and then uh, Facebook would be Jacob Fansler. Um, 
the only one in um, the only one with that last name in, in the island. So you're safe to find if you just type that in here, you can find it. Um, yeah, but um, that I got Facebook and Instagram, and there's uh, Jacob fans are on Strava, so you can always find me on that one. Yeah, I've noticed Strava has become a kind of the best way to communicate with people now because yeah. you have control over who follows you and who you're following and stuff. Yeah, yeah, because you don't. It's if you don't want people following you, can you can, you can delete them out of your, your little world there. And, uh, I like Strava; it's pretty good. You can talk to people, and it's very uh, controlled. And you, know, you can still put pictures up, and you can see your routes, and you can compete against your friends and say I'm faster than you and all that stuff. <laughs> so in the, in the future, do you have any, uh, anything you want to do? You want to start doing FTKs or anything like that? Uh, well, <clears throat> my beginning of like this year was my plan is to, I had a couple sky runs that I wanted to do in 2021. Um, so Castle Peak was going to be the warm up for that one. Um, it's kind of like a sky run, but I don't think they consider it as one. Um, but, um, I, you know, with UTMB, maybe in 2021, if I could get in, and then there's a couple sky races that I wanted to do. Um, so, yeah, that's my big goal for next year. If I, you know, if this year becomes like just a flat line and we don't do anything the rest of the year, I will start up next year with doing some sky running. Definitely. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of good races out there that's really going to push you. So instead of just doing the, the same old races over and over again, kind of like move it around a little bit, change it especially if I get to UTMB and maybe get out to like the West coast and hit a couple of them. Good. I'm glad that uh, you've, you've certainly set your sights on something that's really ambitious. Yeah. And this is, those races are tough. Oh yeah. Yeah. We have no uh, runners in, in uh, on the mainland in here. We have no idea. I, when I was talking to Alex, she was mentioning the races in South Korea and in uh japan and stuff and i have a friend uh carmen she told me about races in germany and it's like no you you can't even make those cutoffs they're races quote unquote yeah and like uh my my big one i wanted to do is this year but i just couldn't get there was the, the ring of steel um it was like a solomon race sky race 26k um race um it's all in ridges and uh you know high elevation big huge climbs big huge descents there's not a flat section on the course either going straight up or straight down and it's all on the ridge line in scotland up in the highlands so and oh, okay. I, well, it's not 26 i think it's like 50 something k but um it's a pretty tough race so uh, i want to get there to that that's gonna take some time to get in there but luckily there's no huge qualifications it's first come first serve so uh, when I'm ready, I'm going to definitely jump into that one. But I think for this next year, for 2021, if I can't get to UTMB, it'll probably be um, the Rut and Broken Arrow. Those are two sky races, which are on the West Coast, which it, you can get into. Um, they'll be my warm-ups. And those are races kind of like where there's 400 people enter and there's 26 who finish? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's always a good thing to wear gloves. <laughs> <laughs> there we go yeah so it's uh lots of rocky trail going up and down and like um ropes and stuff like that so it's it's not your traditional trail run you know it's really challenging so i think i could probably do a couple and do pretty well at it 
Well, hope, hopefully you can. So what I'm going to do now, since I don't have any lead out music or anything like that, I'm just going to go up to the side here where it says, and I had to joke with Alex, it, it says, uh, I think it says, uh, uh, remove, but I'm only going to remove you digitally. I'm not going to remove you in any other way. I appreciate the fact that you're in my life and in everybody else's lives here on the island and stuff. So I will bid you aloha. Thank you so much, Jacob. Thank you so much for today. Yeah, that was an awesome conversation. Thanks, man. Yeah. And I'm back and uh, I haven't ended the meeting yet. I got to really thank Jacob for, you know, taking the time out uh, in these certainly challenging times. Um, it's great. He, he is a fantastic runner, fantastic person, always upbeat, never negative, uh, just like most of, hopefully most of us here in the community, showing really aloha, ohana, uh, and just mahalo to everybody. I'll put my plugs in now for the podcast. The podcast videocast is at HawaiiUltra.com. I have a Patreon play, uh, page, which I would love if people could sponsor me because I, I don't have any income right now uh, and bills to pay. But it would be nice. But if can, can. If cannot, that's okay. You know, no worries. The Patreon page is www.patreon.com forward slash Hawaii Ultra. So that's Patreon, spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, forward slash Hawaii Ultra, one word. So H-A-W-A-I-I-U-T-R-L-A, Ultra, uh, I, I can't spell. Uh, but in any case, uh, we appreciate uh, people tuning in. I've got more people lined up to do interviews, so hopefully uh, I can start covering the island, this wonderful island of Hawaii, and the fantastic ultra runners, and uh, I think ultra people is really the way to put it. So again, thanks again, and aloha. <laughs>